I think you guys have beer, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's I'm ready. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Blacklist, the show where we essentially find people at the top and see how they got there. Right now, we're at Blue Wire Studios, and it's beautiful here, and we're at the win, and we have Justin Waller, who you might know. I'm pretty sure you, you know him by now. Um, and in this show, we're essentially going to go over um, his background, what he does now, and kind of go into a lot of topics that I think right now are prevalent in our space. So, uh, Justin, good to have you. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you were able to make it. Um, for people that don't know you, for the slight chance of people that don't know you, you can give yourself like an intro, kind of tell us a little bit more about your upbringing, um, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, so uh, glad to be here. Uh, I was just telling you before the cameras came on, I can't sit here and act like <laughs> I don't think I'm cool right now with this big ass fat head of me on the thing and the girl, the girls walking by and waving. That's fun. Um, I grew up in South Louisiana, uh, did the kind of the trailer park thing growing up. I don't think that's all particularly too, too special, if I'm being honest. I think most people that do anything uh, worth noting probably came up from an average to a low background. So I built a steel company in my 20s. I started when I was 24 years old. I have over 130 employees now. Nice. We work coast to coast and in the Caribbean. And uh, basically, if there's a metal building on the moon, we'll do it. Yep. We hang steel. Uh, I have an online business where I help guys change their, their life by pushing them into Andrew Tate's war room and kind of help mold and guide them from there in all levels of masculinity, style, networking, understanding money, how the world works. Uh, really, really proud of that work. Probably my most fulfilling work, the one that gives me the most return on fulfillment for sure. Yep. And uh, from there, I have a YouTube channel, Jay Waller. And anybody that needs to get in touch with me on any of those things, you can find me on Jay Waller 7 or Waller 7J on Twitter. So that's me in a nutshell. No, that's good. And honestly, you brought, you brought a, an interesting point that I think right now is such a trending topic. Um, as I was telling you kind of off camera, like, dude, I think a lot of people right now have such a misconception about what masculinity is yeah. to the point yeah. where it's almost infuriating to them, right? To, to hear I'm so masculine or I do this or I do that. And I want to get your take on that. And then naturally we'll kind of dive in a little bit deeper, but why do you think people have such a hatred towards something that I feel like is beneficial to the world? Well, I think people are judging the space of being masculine off of clickbait. Yeah. What people don't understand, not because they're stupid, just because they're ignorant to how things like TikTok work. If you don't put something that is triggering or emotionally driven that will capture someone's attention via any emotion, mind you, yep. in the first two to three seconds, you're going to swipe away. So when you have a kid cutting a video of someone and they want to make sure that you stay on their clip because that's how they make their money. They are now incentivized to create a scenario where the most captivating, um, attention-grabbing, and often triggering thing is said in the first two seconds out of context. Yeah, and I think particularly with Andrew Tate, that has happened a great deal. And then then there becomes a whole group of people that make money from um, trying to expose uh, masculinity yeah. in a toxic way. And those same people are the people that forget that men that are considered toxic are also the men that protect our country, yep. protect the borders, 
They protect trade routes so normal people can live a civilized life. If it weren't for men that would be looked at as toxic in any other frame, we would not be able to sit here in air conditioner. Yeah. Those girls out there getting getting purses, the Dior, the Chanel, the Louis Vuitton I had to walk by to get in here. Yep. Without some man going out and building this place completely, they would not get to walk through this building. They would not have been able to manufacture those purses. They would not be able to make those shoes. They would not have been able to go grow up in school or even have a car. Yeah. So I feel like there is a war on masculinity out there, but I think it's a large, large misconception and a lack of reality that the normal person doesn't understand of what it takes to make the world function. Yeah. So Dude, sad. It is. And, and how do you fight that? Like, how do you fight, you know, because um, I think one group is fighting pretty dirty. But um, sure. I think, you know, what, when we were speaking outside of this, you were saying, like, you know, you want to do it in a way where um, you're going to be able to be heard so that way people can actually take action and listen yeah. to somebody like, like you, you know? You got to make better men. So as a whole, you have to blame it on the men, right? Because men are the people that invented, built, and maintain society. Yeah. Let's not bullshit around. Like, I look around the room right now. There's not probably anything in this room that a man did not invent, build, and maintain. That's no disrespect to women. Yeah. I think a big misconception about the space of masculinity is this hatred towards women. I have zero hatred towards women. In fact, if we love women, we will make men better yep. for women. I need better men in this world for my daughters. I need better men in this world for my sisters. It, it's nothing against women, but... In order to get a grip on the situation, you need a substantial amount of more strong men. Yeah. So that the weak men, and we're in it, we're in a stage where where most of the men are weak. So they use things like toxic masculinity or allowing certain things to go on with their feet, you know, their female or their girl yeah. as a mating strategy. Not because they like it, not because they believe in it, because they can't, they can't or they are not willing to go through the pain that it takes to be a masculine man. Yeah. Life as a man is hard. It's substantially harder. So you start off and you're not shit. And the women your age at 19, 20, 21, they're automatically given the thing that gives them value in the world. And that's beauty. Yep. As a man, you have to go earn it. You have to go push for it. And that's very, very painful. Yeah. So if you can go through that pain, you can get to the top of it. And that's when it kind of starts to get unfair for women in a lot of ways. Because they get to 28, 30, or they have a baby, and not that beauty that they used to have, it's probably still there, but it's not as substantial as it used to be. Yeah. And that's where it's unfair for women. I think it's equally unfair for men and women, but I think the only way to fix the, the toxic masculinity problem and to make even women happier is to make men stronger so women can happily be inside the frame of a strong man. Most of the women you see that are not happy and say, I don't need no man— They've just not met a man that they feel like getting behind because the men are not worth it. Right. If there were more men that were worth getting behind, you would see more women happily, happily get behind that man. Yeah. But there's not enough. And so it's a men's responsibility to fix this and to get the word out that, listen, your life is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. That's the rite of passage. You get to have a difficult life. You get to go through pain. You get to risk everything. You get to get the scars in order to be the hero because yep. that's the most imp- beautiful thing about love is being a hero. Yeah. You know? Dude, powerful, powerful message. 
and I think, you know, when most people hear that, um, you know, the way you say it is very inspiring, but I think for most people when they're actually going through it and they're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going through this pain. Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why do I have to, you know, go out there and work hard? Why do I have yeah. to do all this type of stuff? I think right now a lot of men live in comfort, right? Because, uh, you know, I think the world right now is a little bit easier than it was, you know, back then. Um, and you can, you know, you can let me know if I'm wrong on that or not. I'm definitely, you know, a little younger, but I think right now you're, you're in a great spot to, to generate, you know, wealth, um, a lot easier from your laptop, from your computer. And I think that has allowed men to sit at home, um, to not do as much, to, you know, be lazy, try to get it quick. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Do you think, you think, do you think a lot of men are, comf- are in a place of comfort because of that situation? Because right now we're in, in an online era. Well, I think there, I think there's a bunch of things. I think a lot of guys are giving up. I think Instagram ruined a lot of opportunity to create solid relationships. Yeah. Because now you have the normal girl that lives in Iowa and she can get attention from every man on the planet, especially if she That's shows true. enough skin. Right. Sure. So a lot of times what happens is, is that men are constantly competing, even if they do get in a relationship with whatever guy on Instagram is willing to give that girl attention. Right. I do think it has become massively easy to get lazy. We're promoting guys smoking weed. We're promoting women um, becoming very, very independent, which I don't have a problem with. However, I don't think they're happy. Yeah. What I really think the play there is, is look, we have enough technology now that we don't need the backs of men the way we used to because guys can work from laptops, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We can let as many illegal aliens into the country as we want, and then we can take the, the jobs that don't need a, a back, a strong back, and put women there. Now, do they pay them less? That's to be argued. I'm not getting into the subject. Yeah. But what I would say is that if you divide men and women, you've now broken the nuclear family, and now you can tax two people instead of one. Right, right. And who consumes more, men or women? Women. Got it. So now you're giving their, their own money that they control, and you're marketing to them via the apps or whatever whatever that may be. Yeah. And so consumerism is another thing. And who's going to college more, men or women? Women. No women are going to college more. And there's a student loan for that. Now, did Bernie, I mean, slash uh, President Biden just forgive a bunch of it? Yeah, he did. But nonetheless, women are going to college more than men. Yeah. And so they, what, it, what it's doing in a lot of ways is like, I'll give you a good example. Would you rather take a girl to a nice dinner here in Vegas when she's never been to Vegas before? 100%. Yeah. Because, bro, you pull up, right? Let's say I pull up in the, in the uh, G-Wagon. Yeah. I'm in Miami. Girl gets in. She knows how to use the doors. She knows all the features. She's like, could you turn the back massage on? Am I, I'm like, bitch, how do you know there's a back massager in my G-Wagon? Yeah. She's been in the fucking car, bro. Yeah. She's not impressed. She was in a Lamborghini yesterday and a McLaren, yep. right? You got, you got to take her to a rooftop. What's, what's that place in Miami? I don't know. Some nice place in Miami. And she like knows the, knows the waiter. She's been in there. Now, you take a girl that's, oh my God, like look at the lights in this thing. Oh, it can massage my back. It has heated seats. It's a completely different feeling. You get to give her an experience she did not have. 100%. And so I think that's the beautiful thing about love. Like the reason you, like simping is one thing. Right. But being able to love a woman is a real thing. And a lot of times the joy that you get as a man from doing that is in showing her something that she's not experienced. Yeah. It's like Aladdin, a whole new world. Yep. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? 100%. I agree. 
And so in a world in a world where all a girl has to do is is show a little bit of extra skin and she's got DMs full of full of guys that are willing to fly her all over the world and and take her to place to place to place and buy her a bag or do all these things simping. Yep. She doesn't even really have a good chance at a relationship because she can't get excited about anything the man that actually cares for her wants to do. In fact, now she's comparing. Yeah, she's comparing. Yeah. Yeah, and I dude, I think that's a, I think that's a big issue. Because yeah. if she's comparing, in a lot of ways she's still shopping. Right. And I look at and if you're in a relationship with a woman and she's still posting bikini pictures, I look at that as marketing. Yep. So, it's it's a tough dilemma that men and women are in because women are trying to fill this hypergamous need that they have to try to get the best man out there. Right. And until they know for a fact they have the best man, I think that in a lot of ways they they keep looking, and I think they've always kept looking. The difference is in 1985 or 1995, there was only a couple of guys in your town that you would look towards. Now, women have a gateway into the world. Yep. And so it's a very tricky situation for both sides, and I think that's the biggest thing that's misunderstood about the masculinity space, the space that they call the red pill, or even Andrew Tate. Yeah. Because none of the people in that space hate women, including Andrew. Yeah. They're just prosecuted for things that happen off of a clip that a kid made somewhere so he could get some views, so he could get some revenue from the platform. And that's a damn shame. Dude, and he got prosecuted heavily, heavily. But I think, um, you know, if we could switch to that topic real quick. Yeah. He's probably the only one, because, um, you know, I've seen uh, I've seen Trump got, get prosecuted like that. Yeah, too, yeah, right? yeah. And he, and he created True Social, which a ton of, a ton of followers still. I still think he's the only one that has ever gotten canceled, that's still not canceled to this day because mostly everybody that I've seen get canceled are eliminated off the face of the earth. Well, Trump's a winner. Yeah, 100%. And so is Tate. So if you want to find Tate, he's on Rumble at Tate Speech. Rumble at Tate Speech. I just got on Rumble. Um, got Listen, I look at Andrew getting attacked as a sign of accomplishment. No man that does anything great doesn't get attacked. If I am going to be worth my salt in my career doing this, I will be under attack. Yeah. If not, I have not done anything worth attacking. Does that mean that I have to say things that are harmful? No, but I can certainly tell the fucking truth. Yeah. And a lot of times, especially with the men, they're having a hard time facing the truth because they've been told their whole life it's going to be okay. You're going to get a trophy anyway. No, motherfucker, you can lose in life, bro. You can fucking lose. It is on the line. You should quit smoking. You should quit drinking. You know, look, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't drink. Yeah. But I drink with a purpose. I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking with somebody I can't make money with. You know what I'm saying? Now, will I drink with a young lady? Yes. But we know there's something on the other side of that as well. And let's not be the weird sober guy that's pumping a girl full of drinks. The point I'm trying to make is you're going to have to perform. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. It's going to absolutely suck. And if you're getting through it too easily, you're probably not doing anything worth doing in the first place. So that means at the end of your little rainbow, there's not going to be any pot of gold. Yeah. If you're in pain, you're probably in some way doing the right thing. You need to go seek pain out, especially as a young guy. How old are you? 25. Yeah, bro. It should hurt. Everything should hurt right now before your joints start hurting. Yeah. Yeah. That's old man advice, by the way. No, I appreciate that. And I think that's what you guys are doing right now with War Room, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're helping these guys um, kind of understand that reality, right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with, uh, with yeah. you know, you say pain, and I think 
I feel like a lot of people are, are, will listen to this and they'll say, like, I don't want that, you know? There's nothing wrong with pushing yourself to the limit. Here's the thing about pain. You can either go find it yourself and run it down or you will experience it yep. outside of your own control. Involuntarily, 100%. You, you will experience it. Yep. And you will either experience it privately or you will experience it very, very publicly. 100%. It dude. is up to you. Yeah. It's coming. So you had better make sure it's on your terms. Yep. Is is the best advice that I could give a young guy because it is coming. You think she won't leave you for that buff dude? Promise you, bro, she will. You think she won't leave you for, for that guy that makes a little bit more money? Promise you. You think she won't leave you for that guy that doesn't have a grip on his alcohol and his drug consumption? Promise you. She will leave you. She will love you until she finds a better option. Yeah. That's the game, bro. The game sucks. It's it's hard. Nobody said it was easy. Right. It is unfair. Let's let's kill that right now. It is unfair. So you would best do everything you can in a moral way to create an unfair advantage for yourself. Agreed. There's there's no other way. Yeah, agreed. And um I want to cover the war room a little bit. Um at least, you know, cuz you said that's, yeah. that's another side of your business. So, you know, for for men listening to this, what is the war room? Um cuz people hear about it, right? They hear Hustlers right. University. What is the war room? So the war room is a place where men of like minds come together to forge each other in fire on a daily basis to make sure that they become better at money, their understanding of women, style, networking, how to make money, how to sell, how to raise children, yeah. how to do everything it takes in life to be a male that wins, not only from a masculine perspective, but from a really educational perspective of this is how the world actually works. This is what you need. These are the networks you need. These are the connections you need. This is what you need to do and able to live the most fulfilled life that you possibly can. Yeah. The war room is that place. Is it always nice? Is it sunshines and rain? No. Sometimes it's, hey, motherfucker, you need to get your shit together right now. Yeah. Right now. Just the, re, regard, dude, you could be worth 100M and go into the war room and go into a room. And the fact that you're worth 100M will no longer matter. Because if you're sitting there talking about sending a girl flowers that's on a girl's trip, you will get shut down. It does not matter who you are. I could go in the war room right now, being me, yeah, this close to Andrew, and say some dumb shit, <laughs> and I can guarantee you somebody's going to come at me with some heat, bro. Yeah. And, that, and to me, that's what real love is. Accountability. Yeah. You're not going to find a more real version of love, especially inside a group of men, than you will in the war room. Yeah. Because if I, I believe that love has polarity. And so... If I care about you, let's say, yeah, and you're fucking up, I'm not going to wait until you leave the room and say, man, he's fucking up. I'm not going to pat you on the back. I'm going to confront you because only a coward would not stand in your fire and take the risk, care about you enough to confront you, even though you're going to be mad at me. If I'm really a person that cares about you, if I really am courageous enough to truly love you, then I will piss you off while I'm trying to fix you. Yeah. Only cowards don't do that. They pat you on the back, they let you walk out the room, and they talk about you. Yep. That is the exact opposite of the war room. The war room will confront you, confront you fast, and confront you furiously until you fixed it. It would be one of the best decisions a young man could ever make with his life. If you're interested in joining the war room, hit me up on Instagram, jwaller7, and I can talk you through that and make sure um, you're the kind of person that should be in there. Um, 
jwaller7 Instagram. But yeah, man, uh, I am I am very non-apologetic yeah. about pushing men into the, into the war room. Um, it's very intentional. I know it is... It is one of the best decisions that I personally ever made because I, I, I found myself at a point in my career in my life where I'd figured a bunch of things out and I'd never felt more alone. I'd never felt like I had to be more apologetic about who I was. Yeah. And so even for the guy that thinks he's super successful, you're probably holding back a little bit because it's very unlikely that you're going to be in a place where people are going to love you for who you actually are. How am I going to talk about somebody owing me a million dollars when somebody else can't pay their light bill? Yeah. You know, I say that in the war room and they're like, they, you're only owed a million. What a bitch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it, and it's like that competitive thing that makes you happy. Yeah. Before the war room, I, I was thinking to myself, it's like, what, when was I most happy in my life? It was playing college football. And you think to yourself, why? Cause you feel like you're getting better every day. Yep. You're absolutely fortune fire. You're going through pain. You're going through adversity. You feel like you're getting better, and that's where all the happiness is. It's a dangerous thing to get to the top of a mountain. Yeah. Because then if you have nowhere else to go and there's no more consciousness, and that's what the war room creates is more consciousness, then there's then you have nowhere else to go. Well, you know what that costs you? Yeah, fire. It costs you the fire in your gut. Yeah. And, if bro, if you, if you don't have that, then you've, you've pretty much lost your soul in a lot of ways. Now all you can do is sedate. Right now, all you can do is drink. Now, all you can do is slide back down the hill, so you ha- so you can climb back up it. That's true, so. and I think a lot of men self sabotage that way. You yeah, know, absolutely, they feel like they make some money, they make you know a good chunk or whatever, and then boom, you see it all the time. Gone. You see it all the time. They do the whole deal. Yeah, they do the whole deal and over they, and over and over and over. Oh, bro, where well, they get to that money and they were in shape and they're motivated and they got married and they had some kids, blah, but the next thing you know, they're like, man, I hate my fucking life. Yeah, there's no amount of money that can buy them back. I've dealt with that a little bit. I'll never forget, man. I was about 33, and I was putting my dress shoes on to go to my construction company. And I looked back, and there was, like, the glass and the pool outside and the bamboo. I'm in Louisiana. And I said, man, it's a long way from a trailer park. And then it just like, kind of hit me. You know? Yeah. I was like, I don't know what else I want to do. I joined the war room, like, not long after that. Because you, you, have, to, you have to put yourself in an atmosphere where you cannot outgrow it and in an atmosphere that's going to make certain expectations an easy thing to do because it's what the group is doing. You're actually manipulating the human factor of being a part of a group, right? which makes things so much easier. A smart person can look at themselves and say, hey, I'm not good in this atmosphere. Let me throw myself into this other one knowing that I'll be forced to perform. And I think that's what a, what a smart person a smart person does. And that's certainly one thing I did when I joined the war room. Yeah. So. Aside from, aside from the war room, um, a big part of, you know, for me, when I, when I think about people who are, you know, an elite status of individual yeah. is they know how to stay there. And we've seen a lot of times when a lot of people get, you know, they get really successful and then they fall off or they mess up financially or, you know, uh, something bad happens in their life and, you know, shit just goes downhill. So for you, how do you stay in a position of power aside from war room? Let's say, let's say that didn't even exist because for most people, uh, or not even for most people, but I think some people just haven't even thought about that right now, and yeah. they want to stay there. And yeah, so we, we kind of touched on it a second ago, but I think success is a two-way thing. The first part is climbing the mountain, right? 
Yep. But the second part is putting your head up and looking for more mountains to climb. Because the most dangerous thing that can happen to you in your life is that you get to where you're going and you have nowhere else to go. And all that is is looking for more consciousness. So constantly, every day, I'm looking for things that I don't know that I don't know. And when they come into my consciousness, I have something else to climb. And I always attach it to why it'll make me a better person. It's not like I'm learning how to cook shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, why does global economy work? Are we going to go through deglobalization? What is the treaty of, you know, whatever? And why is that, you know? And so, and so you go from kind of understanding, reading uh, P&L, let's say, and understanding accounting and how to hire some people. And then you kind of get into the, the greater the greater understanding of your industry or the country that you're in and then how it all spirals up on a macro and then you have to start putting things like politics or geopolitics or religion or trade wars or um, anything that ties into what could affect you back home, how money actually works, the velocity of money, interest rates, how you know America is able to control things by the fact that we have the reserve currency you know all those things that were so far out of my consciousness just a few years ago yeah you have to continue to look for bigger mountains bigger understandings more consciousness in order to have a reason to keep pushing forward you know like I don't know everything I'm well aware of it the tricky part is finding the things that I'm not aware of that I can actually make useful to me Right, and staying the fuck away from things that will never serve me. Yep there there are more things that I say no to learning than things that I ever say yes to learning. Right, I am a true believer in information diet. Like if I don't need to learn it, there's so much shit that I don't know that I need to learn and truly understand that I do not have time to yep. learn how to cook lasagna. I don't give a fuck if it's going to impress somebody or not. I will order that shit in, bro. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So you got to be like really, really in tune with what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. And then you have to consciously be looking for more consciousness on a level that will make you a substantially better person at whatever endeavor that you're after. And so, I think, sorry, sorry no, to cut you off. I think no, as a business owner, you learn that. You learn what you need to delegate, what you need to cut out, and what you can systemize and you know shit like that. And I think uh, for most people that are not business owners yet, they probably are going to have to figure that out some other way. But naturally, if you have employees and you, if you have a team, you have to learn to say no to certain projects. So that way you can go all in on, this, on, the, on the good stuff, right? And um, you, say you, ha- you said you have 130 employees right now? I do, yeah. So that's, that's massive, dude. That's massive. Yeah. Um, massive pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like a huge success that I think is very difficult because when you're managing people, you're either, I mean, in my line of work, you're either, you're, you're either managing clients or you're managing your team. So to get to a team of 130, how does that how does that look? Like how do you determine, you know, who you need to place here and, you know, so that way you can kind of get out of your own way and scale yeah. up. Yeah. So So obviously there's systems, right? Yeah. And there's checklists and systems. But when it when it comes to managing that many people, it's really about understanding what management capacities are for me and then kind of creating a culture around that. So my example of that would be I read this that the normal person can only manage between four and six people. My management team is five people, right? So that's who I'm talking to daily. Yep. Those five people 
are managing five or six people. Yeah, you see that makes saying? sense. Yep. And they cool. are, and their five roles and responsibilities are connected to the QCQA. What is that? The quality assurance, quality control in the Got field it. and safety. Got right? it. And so we run a project process. So each one of those foremen in the field are responsible for running that particular system. But there's somebody over that foreman on my management team that is responsible for making sure that that foreman is running that on the job. And we, we trust but verify. Yeah. So the photos, the checklist, the JSA is being turned in. You know, all of those different things that must be done in order to make sure the process runs smoothly. It are, they're done, and it's kind of like this uphill trickle thing that gets to me. And so I might get, I get one report daily. So that report daily, it tells me profit and loss to date, AR, uh, AP, uh, how many crews are out, what, if there's any issues on, with any of those groups of men. You know, that way I can just drill down into that one thing, right? Yeah. All right, what's going on with Facunda? Ah, he likes to get drunk, does he? Wants to <laughs> ride around the company. I, I some guys this year. They do, the, they do the craziest shit. They, it doesn't stop. You can get a video of them fist fighting in the hallway. And I had to pay the, I had to pay the bill for them to clean the blood off the carpet. I had guy, I've had guys burn an Airbnb half down, smoking a cigarette in there, and flip, flip the cigarette out. The, just like I get – like so I end up knowing yeah. pretty quickly – at the end of every day, I, I know how much money is spent in the business every day, you know, so I get a report that's pretty consistent, but that report is an uphill report of the other guys and right. then the other guys. And then it kind of all ties itself in. And then we have a weekly report where we measure statistics each week. So, yep. uh, we run EOS. So we run L10 meetings. Yeah. Um, but each position has its five roles and responsibilities and there's a statistical number that's attached to that. And, and once you get to there and you're not over, over, leveraging management like there's enough there's enough management to match the amount of heads that is healthy to manage then it's going to be really about creating a an atmosphere where people really want to work for you you know and people want to work with you and it's down to earth and all the walls are down you know there's a book that patrick glencioni has uh called getting naked and it's just it's just a lot about you know the truth of kind of really actually being able to keep it real with your people yeah. and, and loving them fully without getting taken advantage of, you know? And so for me, I think one of the things I take the most pride in is I think we have the best, best culture in, in metal buildings. I really believe that. Um, and it shows. And we, we have a team of people that really turn up every day and, and want to come to work. It's like, it's, it's one of those places where it's like you look up and it's like five o'clock, it's over. Yeah. You know, every day because I mean it's controlled chaos construction so. yeah and how do they feel about you coming on to shows like this and you know kind of being more of a public figure dude I have full res- uh, full support from everybody on my team like it it really is a family does it does you know? is it is there anybody that kind of comes out of the you know the weeds that are like oh dude I you know I don't agree with it or whatever and because of that they leave or well first of all my whole management team outside of one guys are females Wow. Yeah, and you those, guys hear that? Yeah. You guys hear that? He does not hate women. I don't. They'll fucking stab you. Fuck with me. <laughs> they will fucking stab you. All of them in a management position. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, yeah. And they, and they make good money too. Yeah. Like uh, my ops manager, I know for a fact, just based off of what she's done this year, I'm going to have to bonus her at least 25000 Yeah. And she already makes good money. I have multiple six-figure women. Yeah. And so uh, I, I think women are actually really, really good managers. Because they're very organized, 
they're uh, very in confrontation. They can say what they have to say, and it's not a testosterone contest. A hundred percent. So I call them my Trojan horses. <laughs> Dude, that's uh, so true. Now that is. you said that. Yeah. So think about it like this. I can be like, hey, John, I'm going to fire your ass if you don't tie off on the roof. Or I could be like, hey, Noelia, tell John to please tie off on the roof. Yeah. Hey, John, please tie off. Okay, I'll do it for you. <laughs> Checkmate, John. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Powerful. The, yeah. And so, like, there's that. And then, and then I, I train them really well. So they know the game. Like, I send them to roofing school and stuff. Like, they run screw guns. So um, they, they, know the, they know the talk. They know the lingo. They understand the process. Spend a lot of time with them training them. They're very smart women. Yeah. You know, if people think that we all think women are stupid. I don't think women are fucking stupid. <laughs> my women fucking smoke those boys, bro. Yeah. Kill, they kill it. They fucking kill it. My girls are fucking savages, bro. Yeah. But, like, you know, it's, it makes perfect sense. The, the, they, they get a better response from the guys. They get a better response from the customer. They are very, very organized. Men are traditionally not as organized. The men put the buildings up, and they follow the they follow the fucking playbook, and we all win. Yeah, I have zero problem with that. You know, these women are in power in my company. Yeah, you know, but like I said, they will kill for me because I'm the one that empowered them, and I'm the one that taught them. It's nothing for me to get a phone call. Hey, Justin, just got a call from Tennessee. You know, he said he's got this building for this. I was like, all right, cool. Tell him this. When you tell him that, he's gonna say this, and then you say this, and we'll get it. She'll call me back. She'll exactly what fucking happened i'm like checkmate so i'm sending you the contract she's like on it dude and that's a Done. skill that's a skill yeah. to be able to know that you know um where you're so from what i'm learning in this interview you're incredibly conscious aware right you're aware of your surroundings you're aware of who you are of, of who you are and you kind of know how to how to like not wiggle past things but i'd say like you know um when when you confront john right yep. and he doesn't get a testosterone boost because you're having somebody else do it that's a power play, right? That's a that's a power move. And I think based off of this conversation, I'm learning that you have a lot of things like that because you are completely aware of who you are and how to get things done. It's like it's like the art of war. It's like the war that you don't have to fight, right? Yes. And I think a big part of masculinity is having the security in yourself to not have that bother you. Yeah. I know that that woman can get that job done faster than me because of the nature of the confrontation between me and that man. Why would I be so insecure not to give her that job and not pay her big fucking money to get it done? Right. Just as much as I'd pay a man. And I think that's where that's one of the main things that allows them to buy into us so much. My team buy into me so much because I don't have time to give a fuck about your ethnicity, your race, your religion, your gender, you could be a purple-haired, ex-color, ex-religion, agnostic, Democrat, don't give a fuck. Because I cannot afford to not have people that show up and do their job. Yeah. If you come to work with a good attitude and do your job and we all match up from a culture perspective and we get along, you are family to me. I don't give a fuck how you vote, what color your skin is. How you do your hair, I don't give a fuck. And any man that is really about being profitable cannot afford to care. Yeah. So. What are your culture? Like, what is your culture and what are your core values in the business? Yeah, man. So the first one's intention. You know, I, it says fucks given. I'm really, really big on intent. 
Yeah. Because if you have intention, then mistakes simply become processes, right? Uh, I'll tell you a story. Last year, I lost $18,000 in one day. Um, $2,000 of it came on a project in Baton Rouge. We are building a car dealership. And 16000 came on a project in California. I fired the guy that made the $2,000 mistake, and I kept the guy that made the $16,000 mistake. And the reason I did so is because the mistake that the guy that made the $2,000 mistake, it was on the fucking checklist. Mm. It told me he didn't give a shit. Yeah. And for that reason, he had to go. Yep. Other guy made a new mistake that's now on the, on the thing, but I knew his intention was in there. So if your intent's there and you're on the team and you're actually trying, a mistake is not something I'm going to let somebody go over. Right. It's the not giving a fuck about the team. Because my job is particularly is to hire talent and set them up to be graceful. And so if I'm working really, really hard to set you up to be graceful so you can make a bunch of money, because it's, I'm pretty open, like, like you get paid on performance in a lot of ways at my, at my business and anywhere I am. Even my online business side is, you know, I love writing guys big fucking sales checks or bonus checks. That means they made me money. Yeah. You know, like I have zero problem with it. In fact, I would much rather, I feel like the best place to lead somebody from is I'm really fucking pissed off at you because I should be paying you more money and I'm not. It's fucking bullshit. Kevin, get your fucking shit together, bro. I'm trying to make you bank. Yeah. Oh, you don't give a fuck, do you? You have no intention. Get the fuck out. Get out. Go. It's that simple. And when you can lead from there, it's easy to get the walls down. That's true. Right? Because it's less mercenary. And then the other thing is just being real. Like, when I have a heart-to-heart, the first thing I do is make sure there's not a table between me and the other person. Look, I'm going to come in like this. Hey, listen. I want you to know I care about you. Bam, bam, bam. And I don't want to let you go, but I need you to fix this, this, and this. Because if this happens again, I can't keep you. And it's not because I'm upset. Like, I'm, I don't like you. It's the business. I'm letting the whole team down because everybody's bonus is going to get fucked up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. My major goal, if I ever let somebody go, is to never surprise them. Only coward bosses surprise people with firing someone dude 100 percent. and i think you know, i've made that mistake by the way and it, it's horrible yeah i'll never make it again yeah it is it is bad and you know we've seen it firsthand when uh i forgot what company or whatever but they basically let go of a lot of employees and they just yeah. did it over zoom and they're like yeah. sorry we didn't want to do this to you but uh you know we kind of have to and then yeah you know the difference is you're showing up as a leader right now you know coming in close not having yeah. a table between you and talking yeah. heart to heart because you know it's not like they're you know some people some people just fuck up and then, you know, you have the heart to heart with them and, you know, they end up fixing it. Right? right. But without doing that, without kind of giving them that, that chance or letting them know, then it's a prize and then they hate you. Then they write bad reviews, all that shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you're like on glass door and you're like, it's a piece of shit. Yep. But you know what though? Another thing I tell you that handles a lot of time when you're in that atmosphere, the business will clean out the bad, the bad ones for you. Yeah. Because once you get the culture going, it is nothing for one of my Spanish guys to call up. Hey, boss. Hey, boss. This guy suck. Get him. Get him the fuck out of here. I'm like, yeah. All right. Hold on. Hold on, muchacho. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But they'll do it internally. But so will my office staff. They'll be like, this person's not going to work. Why? They're fucking lazy or, or this or this or this. So that'll happen one. Or if you sit somebody down, you're like, listen, I care about you. I brought you here. 
and I want to be right. So um, I noticed this, and I want to help you get better with this because I didn't bring you here to let you go. I want to be right. I bet on you, and I believe that you're a winner, and I want you to make sure that you prove me right, and here's how we're going to do it. And if they at some point realize that they cannot do that, they'll quit themselves. You won't even have to fire them. I've had people quit that way. Yeah. Because I set them down. They're like, man, this dude fucking cares about me. He's also not going anywhere. Right. You know, I may, I'm, me and him made a, a promise. He respectfully told me when I was not fulfilling that promise that it was a problem. And I know what's on the other end of us having this conversation again. What's up, bro? I think he's drunk. And, <laughs> and, and I don't, I, instead of having this conversation again, because it's really uncomfortable because the guy's caring about me, they would much rather you yell at him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Instead of be disappointed. Yeah. 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 Or to like stop everything you're doing, fly across the country just to pull them in an office and, and move a table out of the way and be like, listen, I really care about you. Wow. I brought you here because I believe in you. And we had this agreement. But for us to keep this agreement going, I need you to commit to what we agreed to. I don't, I don't in any way not want you here. I want you to spend your whole career here. But in order to do that, I need you to help me or let me know what you need help with in order to fill your commitment because I have no intention of bringing you here and being wrong about you. I bet on you. Right. Right. Hard to get mad at that. Easy to respect it. And either you're going to do it as an employee, as long as it's not something unethical, or you're just going to throw the towel in yourself. Yeah, find another place. Yeah, it's, it's like I very seldom have to fire people anymore. Yeah. They either get cleaned out internally or they'll, they'll quit themselves. Yeah. So, and I, and I think that's a goal. My, my number one goal when it comes to, you know, uh, letting people go or having people leave the team is that I never surprise anybody. So. No, that's huge. Uh, yeah. Shows a lot about your character, you know, and that you have integrity. So. Yeah, man. You know what, though? I, I, think, that, I think it helps me just as much. Because as a result of that, I have a really good culture, which means I have a good team, which means we're profitable, which means I make a bunch of fucking money. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, you know what? I'm a big proponent of like um, not being a Boy Scout. And what I mean by that is, yeah, I do walk old ladies across the street. I do give to charity. I do open doors. I do, all, you know, I do nice shit for people. But really it's because it makes me feel good too. You know, you ever been around like a church person or some shit like that? And they're like holier than thou? Of course I'm a nice person. Yeah. I'm nice to everybody. But I also get something out. I overtip like a motherfucker. It's nothing for me to tip 100% on a bill. Yeah. Especially if I can tell the person needs it. But I'm never going to see that person again. You know? So I'm getting something out of it. Yeah. I do believe that, you know, karma will come around. The universe will give it back. You know? So am I really, really that good of a person? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But, but it ain't without a payoff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I just don't like when people, uh, I, I don't like when people kind of like LARP that they're a good person. Of course I'm a fucking good person. Right. But I didn't need to give that extra tip for me to know that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like the people that have to tell you a good person, uh, those are the people you need to watch out for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it's tricky. No, 100%. That kind of reminds me, I don't know if you watched uh, the Daz video. Did you watch the Daz video for um, when you were talking about Tristan? and? Uh, yes, actually, bro. I told Tristan yesterday, I can't say exactly what I told Tristan because it, it would offend people. I called him <laughs> a derogatory name. I said, you are a X, but this is absolutely uh, my favorite clip I've ever seen of you. 
Um, I th- and I think we're thinking about the same clip. We are. As he said, when I'm a nice person as well. Dude, he and that's he what you don't. That. Yes, he nailed it. Let me find what I said to him. It's here. We have a group chat. We talk every day. Um, <laughs> and uh, let's see if I can find this. It's so good. I know exactly what you're talking. I said, bro, this is absolutely awesome. It was delivered. Um, the delivery was perfect and very genuine. You are a blank T, but that was very well delivered, precise class is what I said to him. It, it, it was incredible. It, it, was, it was everything that he did. It was how calm he was while yep. Daz was going off. It was how he caught his composure and said, listen, my friend, <laughs> you know, I use that lightly and delivered the messages like, hey, man, here's a news flash to you, bro. I am a good person. And Tristan is a good person. That that video of Tristan encapsulates who Tristan Tate is as a whole. Yeah. He is a precise, calm, collective, competent gentleman. And his response back in that way was way, way, way more damaging and direct and explosive, just being a gentleman, yep. not getting out of control, not getting emotional, and just precisely giving that message back. You know, so that, in my opinion, is a way to be. Right, I agree, hundred percent. Because when he did that, it, it just kind of like I think it's an eye opener for a lot of people. Um, you know, yeah, Tr- Tristan is a nice guy too. When when he said that too, it's like. Daz thinks he has something over the Tates yeah. because he's such a nice guy, you yeah. know? Okay, great. You know, that's like the baseline of what you should be as a man. And, right. you know, when, when Tristan delivered that, like you said, he delivered it with class. He did it calm. He was collected. Um, and, you know, I think, I, think, uh, I think he got through to a lot of people when he did that, yeah. right? But, um, no, that's good. So, you know, let's kind of, let's kind of – uh, Let's kind of change the change the subject off of that, just in case. Um, you know, I think I think uh, I think a lot of what what I'm learning from you right now is you are as as polarizing, but you do it in a way where it's not necessarily like gonna get you canceled. Are you particular with the no. stuff that you say? No, I um, nobody is ever gonna be as good as being you and yourself. I'll never be Andrew. Does that make sense? Yeah. That doesn't make me better, worse, in between. It's that I have to be authentic to myself. I will say things that piss people off. I'll say things and have said things that I agree with, but wish I would have said it in a different way. Um, In my review of my first year doing this, there's probably been two or three times where I I look at what I said and and I'm like, you know, it's not that I disagree with what I said. It's just, I wouldn't have said it in that way. It was off. It was off character for me to say it in in said way. Yeah. But for me, I'm not particularly worried about getting canceled so much um, or not saying something that would trigger as I am very, very, very much trying to stay close to who I am as a person. 
and tell my truth, although it is oftentimes going to be a little bit painful to hear, uh, but I want to do it with composure, with class, in a lot of ways in the way that we talked about speaking earlier, Yeah, emotional intelligence, and that's just my style. Um, whereas there might be other people that it's their style and it's genuine to them to go maybe to here. It's just not particular. Like I get fired up, but there's even a range for me inside that, right? I feel like you when you get fired up, um, it's it's less. Um, it's it's still very much you know aggressive and and you know you could feel the presence, right? But it's not um, it's not with ill intent. No, you know? of course not. Yeah. I, I listen. I I think that the truth about masculinity coming out helps men and women in every way. I genuinely believe that. So I have no particular intention of offending women in a way that would not allow them to hear me anymore. Right, right. So um, my only hope is that women can start to hear this message and start to understand where men are coming from. And that's the reason I think that strong men being created is most important because what is the easiest way to get a woman to listen to you is if she loves you. And so if we could create more men that were respectable enough to women that they would be happy to get behind them, support them, then they'd be more willing to listen and understand. And then that message could be spread by women out because of the impact and looking up to a man yeah. rather than it be a battle of men are shit or women are shit. Neither are shit. We're all human, right? And we're not going to move forward in society without both, right? But without, with a lack of strong men in leadership, then how can women get behind men truly? So how can they hear the message? And then how can they tell it to other women? Because I think other women will trust it substantially more if they get told the message by a woman that's happy inside the frame of yep. a strong man. Yep. So we need more strong men. Yeah. Right. And that's not shitting on women. Agreed. Agreed. And what's your game plan to kind of, uh, you know, right now I see you're doing a lot of interviews yep. and, you know, you're on the Fresh and Fit podcast. You're yeah. doing, I mean, you did one right, you know, a few days ago with Bradley. Yeah. Um, good guy. What's your, what's your strategy now? Because I think you have, you're, you're in a particular, you know, spot right now where this is pretty trendy. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people are looking for somebody like you. So do you have a game plan, if any, or are you just kind of, you know, just hopping on shows and, and you know, just kind of putting the message out there? Yeah. So right now what I'm doing is creating a scenario where – so there's these stages, right, in life. And I think uh, – actually, I think Tristan uh, taught me this. You In the beginning, you get paid for what you do, right? Then you kind of get paid for what you know. You can manage people. And then you sort of get paid for who you are. Yeah. But then – in a lot of ways, it starts to get away from getting paid for, and then it just becomes impactful, right? So right now, my goal is to spread the word that masculinity is not a bad thing, that you can be a masculine man and have a woman that's very, very happy because you are such. Um, to help guys do that, I am driving them into the war room. I'm very, very clear about that. And then from there... I just want to be able to help any young man I can or any man in general become a better man because then he'll be happier. And then I do believe a woman will be happier for it as well. So 
by making the YouTube videos, doing the interviews, giving guys the permission to be strong so they can be admired, so they can find what I think real love looks like because I do believe in love. Yeah. Um, then I'm helping society as a whole while I'm building a brand. And I think, you remember how I told you, like, I'm not sitting here being a Boy Scout? Yep. I feel like if I help enough men, I'll make money in the real world because of it. Because people will come work for me or do deals with me or trust me in a way that they would not have ever trusted me before. And for that reason, I'll make my money back and then some just by helping guys out for free in the beginning. Right. So what's what's the problem with that? Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not short of money. Yeah. You know, so from me flying out here and doing some shows with you guys and networking a bit, I'm actually looking at at some development stuff about an hour here north of here in Pahrump. Like. I'm working all the time anyway. Yeah. You know, so to me, man, I think that the return will come in not year one, but year two, three, four, five, you know, where I'm like, hey, I'm going to build this apartment complex. Who wants to jump in with me? Because they've been watching my videos for years. Yeah. And I've actually helped them build their business so they can even be in a position to invest with me in the first place. That doesn't make me a Boy Scout. I was already a good person. Don't, don't need the positive feedback. Let's make some fucking money together. Yep. Profit's not a bad word, and I don't want to be friends with a person I can't make money with. Yeah. I have no interest in playing fantasy football. Yeah. So. And a lot of people have a you know bad connotation of money too. You know. Yeah. They. You know, it's funny. People think like rich people uh, had to fuck people over. Yeah. The best people I've ever met in my life are rich people. They can give more. They can give more. They can be more. They can be in a place of where they're not in desperation. Where they're in, in desperate a, people are, are, yeah. are dangerous people. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, when I think I just put a tweet or a video out about that. Yeah, it's very true. A hundred percent. Not the bad man I'm worried about. It's the desperate man I'm worried about. Yes, yes. And a lot of times people don't get to any kind of wealth or any kind of substantial business that can stay in the market for a long time if they're fucking people because that gets out very very quickly. That's Very business quickly. 101. Like, yeah. I, if you're thinking that, you know, rich men had to, like, fuck so many people over, yeah. you do realize there's the yeah. internet now where yeah. you can post bad reviews. You can see if they fuck people over. You can see if they're on ripoff report. There's just no way you're going to be able to make it if you continuously fuck people over. It's just, it's just almost impossible. It's absolutely true. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Um, so you said something that I really wanted to touch on, but I wanted to get after this, this, uh, this part. So you said you do believe in love. I want to, I want to yeah. cover that. Number one, I want to know what is love to Justin Waller? And number two, does Justin Waller uh, have a woman? Yeah, so um, I'll speak on the first one. Yeah. So somebody asked me one time, they said, Justin, what, it is, what is it about said girl that is different than these other women? Yeah. I said, that's easy. I want to lay next to her at night. I want to take her on vacation with me. I want her on holiday. It's like Thanksgiving, Christmas. And I want to find out what her dreams are and try my best to make those dreams come true. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. That is the hero that saves a woman from, and I'm not talking about saving women, but I'm talking about like in theory. Yeah. You want to be the hero. If you can't call your girl up and say, hey, remember that contract I told you about? I got it. Who else do you have to tell that to? You can tell your boys, but it's different. It's, it it's not the same. And I think that it, that is love. It's love when, you know, 
you know that she wants to see this certain place. And you could give a fuck, but a vacation's a vacation, <laughs> right? Yeah. You take her, not because you want to see the place, because you get the fulfillment out of seeing the smile on her face. That's what love looks like. A hundred percent. That's what, like, it's in, in simping, is the unequal exchange of that, which makes that different from love. Yes. Because her exchange is fully from from the role of the woman, just as much as what you're doing as the role of a man. It's the beautiful part about it. And that's what I think nobody ever talks about. Do I have a woman? Wouldn't you ladies like to know? <laughs> you know, trying to out me on the internet, bro. Yeah, yeah. I, might, I mean, I might have a woman or two. Or I might have one woman. Or I might have five. But you know what I always say about that? What? Whether you want one wife, five wives, or 50 girlfriends, as a man, it is your responsibility to put yourself in a position where you have choice. And that's what I want for every man that follows me, that follows my channel, that joins the war room, that does anything associated with me. Because I'm not here to tell you what's right in your life, man or woman. Yeah. What I hope is that you have truth, and you understand the truth of the world and that you create a scenario where you absolutely have choice. And I would want that for my sons and I certainly want that for my daughters. Yeah. That's huge, bro. That's huge. I think, um, you know, when you get to a certain level, I think the freedom of choice is something that a lot of people aspire to, to, to have because most people don't have choices. They, right. They, I mean, they have choices, but it's going to take a lot longer because of the position that they're in to kind of achieve that. Um, you know, what's your, what's your uh, I'd say, you know, kind of final message to the people that are watching right now um, and the men that are listening to you and they're going to follow you? Um, you know, what's your, what's your best advice or your final message to them? Yeah, absolutely. I, w I would say to understand that life is going to be hard and that you should expect to go through struggles and that anything that hurts or that anything that is a struggle or difficult or painful is probably something that's going to make you a better man. I would say to you that you should really take consideration into the fact that women are not the problem, that weak men are the problem, and that if you can become the kind of man that a woman wants to get behind, that you will never have issues with women. So absolutely do not blame your issues or your inability to get a woman on women as a whole. There are wonderful women out there. Love is a real thing. You need to qualify yourself as a man to be deserving of that. And you will find that you will not have problems with women. If only problem you'll have with women at that point is you'll be in abundance and then you have choices to make. Um, what you want in your life is to go out there and find truth, real truth that's actually real to you. And you need to go look and make sure that truth is your truth as well as the truth that you've heard. So always go look for yourself. And when you find that, you need to create an abundance in your life that gives you choice. And if you can have truth and find choice in your life and you know without a shadow of a doubt you're living life on your terms, you have succeeded as a man. Be respectful. Be a gentleman always. Live life on your terms. And I think that you'll have a really, really good life. But that is something to be earned and it's, and it's possible for every man. So go do that. Dude, well, that was a powerful message. I appreciate you, you know, being on the show and yeah, delivering man. that. And I look forward to seeing more of your content. You know, yeah. um, you're yeah. definitely somebody that that I like, and you know, you're gonna crush it. Yeah, man, I really appreciate that. We're a year in. We have sixty thousand subs on YouTube. So if you're not following, go follow. It's Jay Waller. 
and Jay Waller Seven on Instagram. That's where you can find me. And I really, I really appreciate you having me in, man. No really problem, do. dude. Thank you. <laughs>